0: Welcome to season two of the Awesome Women podcast. In season one, we took a wide focus on women in all areas of the community, construction, automotive, mining, healthcare, farming, hospitality, and many more. Season two will be no different. In fact, we have a fabulous lineup of women all with amazing stories to share with you. Season two, however, has a small difference as we will also be speaking to awesome men. For many of us, we have had male mentors who have provided a guiding hand throughout our careers. They too have inspiring stories and we will be sharing them with you. I, Amanda Bulo, Awesome Women in Construction founder, have enjoyed recording these podcasts. It's now over to you to enjoy these at a time that suits you. Thank you for listening to the Awesome Women podcast series. Hi everybody, well it's time for another Awesome Women podcast. And today we have Kiri Parr joining us. Hi Kiri. Hi everyone. So t- I've got a little bio here, Kerry. It talks about how awesome you are. So let's read it out for everybody else to hear. Um, Kiri is an academic, speaker, and consultant in the construction industry in Australia. Kiri is passionate about improving the outcomes in the construction industry. Her work sits at the intersection of construction law, procurement strategy, human behaviour, governance models and possesses the challenges. Are we paying attention to human risks and behaviour at a corporate level? And how do we create environments where people make great decisions?
1: I like those questions. Let's go. Let's start with the first one. You've got to remind me that first one again. It first was,
0: are we paying uh, attention to human risks and behavior at a corporate level?
1: Yes. So this is this is the big piece of thinking that I do, which is we put, we, we're delivering our construction projects. We have contract models and governance, but to what extent are we paying attention to what people are doing inside those models and what do those models make people do? How do the reward systems um suddenly have people making decisions that uh, are strongly influenced by their personal reward but are contrary to the the, the project goals and and I, I like to see how do, how do you make the people work what, what have we built around our people and is it doing them good and for the construction industry we have so many issues around that the mental health outcomes we're getting for the people in our industry and that's one of the things why do I keep on Uh, working in the spaces that I do. Um, I think we could have a better industry, a healthier industry. Um, We're hurting people and there's got to be a better way. And there's some great stuff that's happening out there. The conversation is changing.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing. You know, how do we do this? You know, I remember, you know, starting in the industry 20 odd years ago and, you know, your reward was getting paid at the end of the day.
1: It's so much
0: more than that these days.
1: And people really want, to do good work. Yeah, don't they, Amanda. We we actually want to turn up and feel rewarded and included and if you get if you create environments where people are uh, in a great team then they do great work. They're engaged, yeah. they are wanting to be there. So the challenge for people who are designing because we do, we get to choose the the environments we create, whether it's through how we reward someone, what we, ex- how we expect them to go about doing their work um, uh, what we say is the behaviours that we want, we, you know, culture is created by us every time, every day we make decisions. And it's, if, if all your, if your number one question is, has this made me money, um, you'll not get the team, no. um, but you only get the money if you get the team right. So what makes the team work? That's
0: exactly right. And I think sometimes, you know, we're, we're too focused on that contract and that 45 or that 95 or that billion-dollar tender and what it means yeah. for the business. But we haven't thought about putting the right structures or the right support yeah. system for those that are working within it, you know, because adding an extra zero or not having an added an extra zero to a concrete order or whatever it is can make a huge difference to that project.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, my, a lot of my work and my academic work at the moment is looking at high reliability organisation theory. It's very geeky. I can geek out forever. But it's it's there's a huge amount of analysis that's done uh, through the Royal Commissions and the investigations and the big failures. And when you look at them, you can really di- di- dive deep down into the root causes of, of why these things went wrong. And, and, you know, some of them are sitting there going if productivity is over, uh, is, is rewarded and thought about more than safety, then how do people respond to that inside their projects? They start, they start skipping, they start bypassing the things that actually make your site safe. And, yeah. and I think it's really fascinating. And anyone who's got that level of responsibility, who is running a business, delivering a project, that capacity to come up above and look down at the system that you've built and what it's producing. And you've got to look at how the people are actually doing the work because we don't work according to the contract. We we work according to, to what what is watched and what's measured and what's counted. And if nobody cares about safety, then people will bypass it. They'll take the shortcuts. And, and that's how we, you know, just slice by slice and it happens incrementally and really slowly. It's not that the system is necessarily wrong, it's how the humans interact with that system. And there is so much amazing rich material out there about um, how you get the people working with those systems and structures and, and that perspective. There's, um, it's, been, it's a fascinating area to, to, to get into.
0: Is it something that as an industry we're afraid to tap into or is it something that we just haven't prioritised?
1: That's a great question. Um, I think um, there's, there's so many... Uh, uh, sorry, I obviously haven't answered that specific question. <laughs> no,
0: no. Um, because sometimes think, we sit there and we, we are looking at the bottom dollar, but we're not looking at the bigger picture. And,
1: you yeah. know, staff
0: leaving and coming and going during a big project can make a, you know, there's a lot of IP walking out that door. And I think we don't value that
1: like we should yeah and there's a few things at play it there's there's a lot of really short-term thinking in play there's so many so much of the dial is turned towards short-term uh short-term perspectives this project and and whether I'm making money here and now am I making money this quarter even so if, if your perspective is short-term and it's money then you don't think about what legacy you're leaving five ten years down the track and for a lot in the construction industry it's like not many of us are necessarily exposed to things when things really go wrong or are even as you say taking the time to experience that um, so so much of this work uh, uh, and the industries that are paying attention uh, are things like the mining industry and airline industries which are perceived as high-risk organizations but I'm sitting here going, but but we are, we are still a high-risk organization, whether it's monetary or mental health or uh, good quality engineering or getting that price right. Um, these things all deliver good project outcomes. So there's, if we can find a way to bring it into our industry, that piece of how do you make that whole system work and how does it work with people, um, then we could start shifting the dial on some of the outcomes, but definitely, very short term very projects and maybe for the construction industry the the fragmented nature of it all you know we're so many of us are sitting in very small organizations aren't we and your capacity to to bring to think differently is, is really constrained when you're running a small business yeah
0: and particularly at the moment a lot of us aren't working in the environments that we have been used to previously where you can have that water cooler talk you know i don't know how many hallway conversations or you know you're making a coffee in the in the um, kitchen or the lunch room and you go hey Tom you know did you I'm looking at this and blah 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 and before you know it you've had a 10 minute conversation that's solved a problem that you've been working on and now we don't have that interaction working from home and doing it via zoom you <laughs> just don't get that same feeling
1: yeah and and for that you know for 2020 we could say we were probably relying on those past relationships Mm -hmm. to hold us through and and now we're at the 18 month mark yeah and it's it's getting harder with time um and and i think that's a very very true point you know things that held it together while we were doing the, everything has to happen by Zoom. It it worked for a while, but holding those relationships and building them together. And this is the other thing we talk about, isn't it, Amanda? It's um, how do you have those rich conversations where you get different perspectives in the room? And again, if you come back to that question of, of barriers to change, what do we value? How do we value people's time? And we don't value people's time by standing no. next to the water cooler talking to people with a different skill set. Yeah. So if we're all together in an office or in one location, you'll have that conversation over the cup of tea, and it doesn't end up on anyone's timesheet, and nobody cares. Yeah. But if we're far away and you're sitting there going, "Do I want to take eight people to spend half an hour talking on Zoom?" You go, "No, that's eight people's time, and that's eight t- people's time that they're not charging somewhere else." And so that very narrow monetary focus um, and how we perceive how people solve problems you know there's a skew against you know setting up the phone calls setting up the meetings finding a way to get people to bounce Um, it's it's fascinating
0: yeah yeah absolutely now what about our the second question we pose creating these environments where people make great decisions i mean we're all in open office plans now you know is it about the design of the office layout you know is it having those areas where you can you know get away from the noise and and work for 20 minutes and just recollect yourself or you know and and just being able to particularly with mental health at the moment you know giving and I shouldn't have to say giving permission to our staff to take that break that they need but in the industry that's how it's feeling you know like you you go in you do your job you don't have the luxury again I guess of just going you know what I'm just I'm just tapping out for half an hour I need to go recollect myself I'm going to walk around the car park whatever it is come back in and get going again well I think
1: and again, this is one of the really funny things is that we don't think very much about how people actually think and solve problems. Mm. We, we think about, I want you sitting at a desk for seven and a half hours and I'm sitting here going, and and particularly now, because I've, I've run a really flexible work habits for a very, very long time. I, um, I, I know by Friday afternoon, I can't have a good thought. Yep. And and my problems are not solved when I'm sitting down at the desk. Yeah. My problems are solved when I'm out walking or, uh, you know, at the gym or whatever it is, is your decompressed time. And I know that if, if you give me a problem, all you have to do is just let it swirl around my brain yep. with whatever I'm doing. And I'll come up with an answer over a 24 to 48 hour period. I do it every single time. I don't do it sitting at a desk, mm-hmm. you know, on the clock. It's 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 the brain. Our brains don't work that it's way. A, it's a three AM thing, Kiri. Yeah, you know, yeah. where you go. Oh, that's the answer. <laughs> that's the answer. And then you sit down and you just deliver the answer. Yeah, yeah. And and I think we've got this. How our culture thinks about work and how we solve problems is completely yeah. skewed. Um, and and how we we value time over output and 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 product and and thinking and solution finding. Um, so the more <laughs> You can um, make it work in, in the way that works for you. And, and and just allowing people to work to their own yeah. styles. Yeah. Um, you know, you I'm, the, I shouldn't
0: say the COVID, but do you think the last 18 months has fast forwarded the industry to think that way where we may not have if it wasn't for COVID? You know, the flexibility, the working from home, you know johnny or sarah or, or sally tapping out at four o'clock to spend a couple of hours with their family for dinner and whatnot but then they're jumping back on at eight o'clock when everyone's in bed for another couple of hours
1: well that would never be me because i'm not a night owl um <laughs> i'm not in the morning either um so i personally i i know that any good piece of work i have to do in in that first three or four hour block of the day that's 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 my prime time um and by the time you come to mid-afternoon i'm i'm <laughs> But that's un, but that's working with our teams and knowing how they work best, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. And I suppose maybe where we're shifting from, and and I, I I like to think I was one of the early adopters because I've I've run a distributed team for a long time, and it was always about working the way that suits you. We have mm-hmm. a job to get done collectively, but if you're a night owl, work at night. If you're a morning person, work in the morning. I I don't I don't want to watch. I don't want to ask. I want you to take control. And even that conversation of saying to people, you have personal autonomy of, over yes. that is something we, many bosses don't empower that people to go, this is what we've got to get done. I don't mind how you do it. Um, but maybe we've worked, we've moved from, and this has been the shift from uh, which COVID has done. And, and people are saying it actually has been a, a real game changer for many people is we've moved from that early adopter where there's like 10% of, of people thinking that way to the vast rump of, of businesses actually bringing that flexibility into it. Um, and, and isn't it a good thing?
0: I, I think it's a great start. I just hope we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater as such. And, you know, when it's things settle down, if they're going to settle down, you know, we get every haul everyone back to the office
1: and, yeah. you know. And, and maybe that start is actually having different kinds of conversations yeah. with people, find out how they how their brain works find out if they um what kind of a thinker they are how do they like to learn when 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 are they at their peak when what's their thinking process for solving problems and even just learning that about each other you go oh I know that if I give this bunch of data to this person they'll sit on it and think for a week but then they're going to bring nuggets back to me and you just let them do it yeah um this whole concept of um and it's like we're one of the first societies to do it. I, I don't know if anyone else listens to the anthropologists, but the anthropologists are fascinating because they sit down and go, we've created this mad culture where we think people actually like to sit at a desk for eight hours a day and and they are productive for eight hours. And it's like, yeah, no, only our culture, only our time. And um, the anthropologists very much like to say, um, uh, our culture is just what we make it it doesn't have to be this way yeah. people have invented many many different ways to work and orientate themselves and uh, quite frankly from what I've heard of the hunter-gatherers I think I'm willing to go there they they did two or three hours of serious really engaging work a day and the rest was pretty cruisy so yeah I, I think I'm willing to change <laughs> let's give it a go let's, let's go let's... hunter-gatherer yeah. on our thinking <laughs> that's it
0: we're done. Now, Kerry, you have um, spent more than 20 years as a construction lawyer and in 2020, perfect time, you've gone out and started your own business.
1: Yeah. So this was, um, yes, so private practice law firm and, and then 15 years sort of general counsel for, for Arab in the Australasia region and worked on major projects and, uh, you know, I had the really... Uh, you know, unique opportunity to be on a major project right from when the contracts were negotiating mm. to doing the disputes at the end. Mm. So I have a one project that that for me covers fifteen years, yeah. um, which is quite extraordinary. Um, so that was the airport link project. It was, uh, you know, that lovely tunnel that we all drive through in Brisbane. Um, I, I I was I was not a fly on the wall. I was at the table. Yeah, um, wow, that would have been awesome. It, well, it had its moments. Oh, I'm um, sure, but yeah. But, <laughs> but you know, it's I'm just thinking
0: you... of the project size and the conversations that would have happened
1: around that table, and oh. and the effort. What you start learning is 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 how the whole you got it. I got a perspective on how the whole industry comes together and delivers one of those major projects. Um, the the effort it takes the extraordinary work done by the designers and the builders to build these things. Um, it is people deliver projects, mm-hmm. people, people deliver projects and you saw their success. You saw how proud they are of the work. You yeah. saw the toll it takes. You saw how, you know, the, the one difficult person rippled through teams and, and the negative impacts it has you saw, how the money drove behaviors, um, and you know these projects have are very difficult to deliver fi- successfully and, and financially successfully mm-hmm. for so many of the parties, and that those poor project outcomes drive some extraordinary outcomes at the back end. Um, so I, I know where the fights come from and how you how you survive survive those. I've, I've received some very nasty letters of, the, of demand at the end of the day, and that's probably where my shift came from. Um, towards the end of 2019, it was like, do I sit in a day job where I'm just sorting out the problems Hmm. uh, or helping? More more important to me is how do you prevent them? Uh, I'm now sitting there for the back quarter of my career going, I don't just want to do a day job where I'm part of the problem. I want to find a way to go, cannot, (laughs) it sounds weird. How can I be part of the conversation that says, actually what's going on isn't best practice. The stats aren't good. If I'm going to be an evidence-based practitioner the evidence tells me we have to do things differently so mm-hmm. how can I help that conversation and find a place in this industry which is a positive driver for change because this is I, I've just been sitting there reflecting so many experienced people in the construction industry stay in those day jobs for the entirety of their career or they just become the dispute consultants because they've you know they know how that part works and I, and I'm sitting here going they're not they're still sitting in the problems and and I really wanted to, so I've really disrupted my career to uh, try and be orientated towards how, how can we change the dynamic? How can I do that? So uh, I'm just interested in working on interesting projects with interesting people that might help us shift the conversation and the outcomes we're getting. So I've got a whole portfolio of really interesting things that I'm doing now and learning heaps and, it's great to be back on the tools in a way, because um, yeah. one of the things I'm really keen to do is is go and work on working in projects.
0: And we it, were talking and- before we hit live about getting that um, that knowledge around a table and hashing out the problems and coming up with the amazing solutions that you know everyone ha- you know we've all got a we've all got something to contribute. We've all had experiences, and to to be able to bottle some of that would be phenomenal.
1: Yeah, but it's it's people and it's uh, I, the thing that I've always found has had the greatest impact because I've got a very I've got a very simple view because unless I can have a conversation that shifts what you personally are going to do on your project next, what what's the value? I don't want to build a tool or write a book or write an article if it just sits on the shelf. More importantly to me is can we design a process that actually asks the people on the project to do something different, to think about it differently, and the simplest technique that I will share with everybody every time is get a diverse group of people around a table. They are all seeing different problems and different opportunities on that project, get them in the middle of that table, let everyone see them. And I reckon every single time I've done this amongst that group, they actually have a really broad perspective on the problems they have to get together and solve and they have the answers. You don't need somebody else to tell you what your problems and answers are. You just need to get that group of thinking together and you can pull the problems out of them, create a safe environment, create diversity. Um, but they have the problems, get them all out on the table. It's interesting, isn't it, Amanda, the extent to which we don't tell yeah. other people what we can see, Yeah. what we are seeing as the problems or what we are seeing as the opportunities and how frustrated we are when we go, but I know this is going to happen and I can't do anything to stop it. Yeah. Yeah. Or I can't take this opportunity because this other person doesn't see it. Yeah. So that would be my one big tip. We don't spend enough time doing it in our world these days. No,
0: absolutely. And it's a fantastic um, tip to uh, to finish up on. And it has been fabulous to have a chat with you, Kiri. I, I could um, sit here and have a chat with you all day and I will uh, confess I'm a self-nerd and would love to know more about the projects, you know, that you've um, worked on and, and how they've finished up. But um, it's been wonderful to have a chat with you and I hope everybody listening has enjoyed it as well. And um, if anyone's got any questions with anything, Kiri, or how you can help them in their business, We'll connect them
1: through LinkedIn for you. That's fantastic. Thanks, Amanda. No worries. Everybody
0: listening, have a fabulous day. And thank you again to our um, podcast guest, Kiri. Thank you so much, Amanda.